Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Wait, what? What did Alan Dershowitz, a liberal attorney, say yesterday about George Soros? <laughs> oh, you're in the right spot. Ladies and gentlemen, I got that. I got some Obama nonsense, Obama tweeting some nonsense again. This is going to be a loaded show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. You have a right to privacy, ladies and gentlemen. Protect it with ExpressVPN.com slash Bongino, ExpressVPN.com slash Bongino. This is going to be a loaded show. If you missed it, Alan Dershowitz gave an interview to Breitbart. Uh, and in that interview, just drops a bomb about George Soros. And I want to get to this during the show today. Here's the big question. What are the Democrats hiding and was what they're hiding the Obama government being for sale? Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Fine, sir. Well, I'm doing very well. Thank you. And glad to be here and ready to go, pal. Anytime you're ready. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Uh, I got a lot of emails about your Steely Dan reference yesterday. Yes, <laughs> I missed it you. as I... Always do, but that's what the audience is here for to remind me, so we appreciate that. Thank you all. <laughs> all right, folks, let's get right to it. <laughs> hey, when running a business, HR issues can kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations. HR manager salaries aren't cheap. They're an average of $70,000 a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, -E, was created specifically for small businesses. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, maintain your compliance, all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business. We needed this, folks. I'm sorry, but we, you know, when you have running a growing business, it's really hard to deal with HR, payroll, all of that stuff. Bambi is there to help. They are terrific. To help you manage your employees day to day, all for just $99 a month. You're not going to beat that. Month to month, no hidden fees, cancel anytime. You didn't start your business because you want to spend all day on HR compliance. Let's be honest. You want to produce products and services that people value. Let Bambi help. HR is one of your more valuable things. Let Bambi, uh, let Bambi help you get your free HR audit today. Go to Bambi.com slash Dan right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash, uh, slash Dan. Spelled B A M. B-E-E.com slash Dan, Bambi.com slash Dan. All right, let's go. All right. Ding, ding. All right, first, before we get to the Soros story, which was really like a tactical nuke dropped on the battlefield yesterday, again, I'm on top uh. to translate for you what exactly Alan Dershowitz was talking about, why Soros plays in, and why this is a huge story tied to everything going on. I wanted to get quickly to this because it's a really good article by a good friend of mine who Joe knows too, Derek Hunter. Uh, Derek did a piece in Town Hall yeah. We've worked together a lot in radio. Derek was a Maryland guy when I was up there. Joe knows him well from the whole media ecosystem. But he did this piece in town hall. And it's just worth addressing on a lighter note to start the show off today because people have a hard time, not you and I, but enemies of Trump have a really hard time understanding who Trump is, how he is what he is, how he got to be what he is, and why he resonates with people. Here's a piece, Derek Hunter. Bloomberg's biggest problem is Bloomberg. That's the title of the piece. You may say, I thought this article was about Trump. The headline's about Bloomberg. It is about Trump. Mm. It's about the contrast between these two very successful billionaires, Michael Bloomberg and Donald Trump, and why Michael Bloomberg's billionaire status is a liability to him, while Trump's billionaire status is not. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Virus going around my house. I'm good. Don't worry. Not contagious through the open airways. She's laughing at me back there. 
folks, I've brought this up to you repeatedly. I, and this is like a lesson for the anti-Trumpers and liberals out there who will never understand the attraction of Donald Trump. Trump is a Queens guy. You want to understand Donald Trump? Understand the sociology and psychology of the Queens guy. What is Queens? Queens is a borough in New York City where I grew up. I know a lot of you know that, but to liberals who have a hard time with facts, I'm, I have to throw that in there. You have Queens, the Bronx, Brooklyn, you get it, Staten Island, you know, the whole thing, Manhattan. Mm -hmm. You get the drill. Right, right. Trump is a Queens guy. Now, when trying to understand Trump and the way he uses language, Joe, and everything is huge and yeah. tremendous and the biggest ever and the best economy ever. Yeah, the left goes crazy and the media elitist snobs with their bow ties and their foie gras lose their minds. They go, that's not accurate. It's not the hugest, biggest ever. It's the second hugest ever. And nobody cares because they don't understand Trump and why he does what he does, why he speaks sometimes hyperbolically. I've given you kind of this lesson before. When you come from Queens like I did, you don't have the money of the Manhattan kids. Manhattan is where all the really rich kids and all the rich people are. And that's where a lot of the prestige is. They have townhomes in Manhattan uh, that are, you know, tens of millions of dollars. So there's a prestige and a, and, a, and a social kind of cachet that comes along with being a Manhattan resident. I mean, they almost identify, Joe, by what neighborhood they live in. Where do you live? Oh, I happen to live here on the Upper East Side with an overview of the park. Oh, 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 you're so impressed. Right, exactly, the kind of Thurston Howley. Oh, There's a social strata there associated with your address. That really doesn't happen in Queens. I mean, Paula, you lived in Queens. What would you say? Like the richest neighborhood in Queens was it Malba, maybe in Whitestone? I guess. I mean, I don't really know. You, it, it, there, but nobody in Queens does that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, hey, I live in Bayside. I live in Glendale. It just doesn't happen. So you don't have this, the prestige of the Manhattan kids. But mm -hmm. You don't have the inherent toughness label that comes with the Brooklyn kids if you, or the Bronx. If you say you're from the Brooklyn or the Bronx, Paul used to tell me the story all the time. She was, uh, you know, when she was on the on the bus going to school, you know, these kids would say, you know, from Brooklyn or, or Paula would say, oh, I, I live in the Bronx. She'd be like, <gasps> when she moved to Queens, they were like, she's from the Bronx. Back up. Like, like all of a sudden you had Aquaman, like Superman, Justice League powers. The Bronx imbues you with powers. The, you have a, you, you found the, what was it? Lord of the Rings. You found the power ring right there, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're like uh, Bilbo Baggins carrying that, that ring around, right? This is, so when you say you're from the Bronx, right, Paul, it's your story. She'd be like, I'm from the, she was from the Bronx. And people are like, oh, stay away from her. She's tough. I love my wife, but she's not, you know, it's not a UFC fighter. She's not going to duke it out with anyone. I mean, you know, you get the drill. Trump didn't have that either. Queens kids like Trump, are always fighting for this. They're always fighting to be seen as successful and have the social strata and the prestige of the Manhattan kids. And they're always literally fighting, literally fighting, not figuratively. I mean, like, boom, boom, boom. How do you think I got into fighting? Because Queens fighting is a thing. Because you're never as tough as the Brooklyn kids. So you almost have to get into a fight with a Brooklyn kid and win to take their Brooklyn superpowers away from them and take the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> this is Trump. This is the Queens thing. So everything to them is dramatic and big and hyperbolic and huge and enormous and great. You get it? You dig? So this yeah. article by Derek Hunter explains. So that's the bravado portion of it. The brashness of it. I'm telling you, that's it. Everyone from Queens, where I'm from and Paula's from, is like that. Everyone. 
He's not lying. He's not being a jerk. He's just a Queens kid. He's grown up having to be scrappy and having to constantly kind of clash with people to show his worth. It's a Queens thing. I'm sorry, but it just is. Now, Derek's article addresses another portion of the Trump personality liberals have a tough time understanding, which is his natural appeal and his way of speaking that even though he is a a ridiculously wealthy man, the middle class, low-income earners as well, gravitate towards him. And how has he maintained that Mm -hmm. ability in contrast to Bloomberg to relate to these folks? Genius assertion by Derek. It's because of the difference in how Bloomberg made his money and Trump did. I believe this is true. I think he's really on this. It may not be all. It has explained everything, but I believe it explains a lot. Bloomberg's money has been in finance, Bloomberg News, the media field, where you're dealing with the hot A crowd. You're dealing with uh, that lady from uh, the Titanic that's always telling people their new money. You're dealing with that lady. <laughs> so you learn to deal with people like you've been dealt with yourself, to be demeaning, to be engaged in, in, in chest puffery that's condescending. That's not what Trump does. He puffs himself up a lot, but he doesn't downgrade others. I mean, I'm talking about outside of politics and stuff. He does. If you've ever been in a room with Trump, he makes every, Paul, am I messing with you here? He makes everybody in the room feel like they're like the most important person there. So Bloomberg made his money, and I'm not knocking finance, and I'm not knocking Bloomberg's success either. Please, I'm a capitalist. Good for him. I'm simply suggesting that's a different arena. Look how Trump made his money. Who was he dealing with, Joe? Yeah. Carpenters. Yeah. Electricians. Bricklayers. Tough guys. People who get their finger. Yes. Yes. Naturally tough working men for a living whose hands are calloused, whose fingernails are chipped up. They don't even know what a manicure is because they don't want to know. They don't care. Manicure my butt. Get to work. These are the people Trump has spent his whole life dealing with. Union bosses in New York. Laborers, tradesmen, craftsmen, specialized laborers, people who work for a living, hard work. He's had to deal with them and talk to them. Talk to them on the level, which is the level we think at, not these elitist snobs. Brilliant piece. Brilliant piece. I don't want to spend too much time on it. I just want you to understand that understanding Trump is key because I think history is going to, I mean, Trump is going to be, I kid you not, one of the most written about presidents in the history of this country, 50 or 60 years in the future. People are going to struggle to explain what happened. And I think you can explain him with the Queens phenomenon, the bravado, the it's great, it's huge, because that's Queens. You ask anyone from Queens, they'll tell you that. But you can also explain his ability to relate in terms of that. His his natural work was was work with people who work for a living and got dirty. He talks like them because he was one of them. He gets it. Not that he was laying bricks, but he was in that environment with the hard hat walking around these work sites all the time. Makes a lot of sense. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I always appreciate your patience on Tuesday. It's always a loaded day. A lot of people want to be, I want to get to this Soros stuff now because this is just killer stuff. So really stay and pay close attention. All right, today's show also brought to you by Betty said, GenuCell, ladies and gentlemen, I use this before I go on the air. I use their immediate effects because I need it. We've had some bugs going around the house. Sleep has been a little tough at night. So I use immediate effects. It's great products. Hey, how great was your Valentine's Day this gift this year? How about taking 10 or even 15 years off your appearance with the new GenuCell jawline treatment? No more turkey necks. Nice, nice. Uh-huh. 
Some people like your turkey neck thing better though, Joe. But that's, I'm just saying, no more double chins or sogging, uh, sagging jawlines. It works amazingly well. Here's Linda B. from Marina Del Rey. I love your jawline cream. It really works. I mean, I really see a difference. People never believe my age. It works. It'll work for you too, guys. Right now, the brand new Genucell jawline treatment is yours free when you order Genucell for bags and puffiness under the eyes and for 12-hour results. The Genucell immediate effects, which I use, is also free. Say goodbye to that double chin, under air, eye bags, and even those laugh lines and crow's feet. Gone. Disappeared. Guaranteed or your money back. Go to Genucell.com. Genucell.com. Enter Dan30, Dan30 at checkout. Order now and get the Genucell XV collagen builder and eyelid lift free. All orders upgraded to free express shipping. Go to Genucell.com. Enter Dan30 at checkout. That's GenuCell.com, GenuCell.com, Dan30 to check out. Check them out today. Okay, this is a, just a, uh, I said a tactical nuke dropped on the battlefield of this debate because it covers so, so much. So Breitbart had this piece up. Now, keep in mind, Alan Dershowitz, who I know from Fox, we're not, you know, tight personal friends. Again, I don't want to be dramatic, but I feel the need to disclose any personal relationships I have for obvious reasons. I want you to know the truth. Um, You know, I'm not, don't ever... I don't, I don't want you to be misled by who I know, don't know, and have had conversations with. So Dershowitz is a good guy. Um, I like him. And uh, I've met him a couple times. He gave this interview in Breitbart, and he drops this just bombshell saying, quote, Breitbart, Joel Pollack, George Soros asked Barack Obama to investigate an undisclosed person. Wait, wait, wait. What? What? I thought the whole sick narrative of the liberals and the media left is that the Trump administration was corrupted, that the Trump administration was colluding with foreign governments, that the Trump administration was being bought off and that the Trump administration was for sale. You know, Trump's doing business in these foreign countries, Trump with the emoluments clause. I thought that was the narrative. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as Tucker Carlson says often, and he's absolutely right, Whatever the left is accusing you of is what they are doing themselves. And they are accusing you because they want you to say, look, shiny red object. I want to get into this story. Let's nail down the crux of it first. So liberal mega donor, billionaire George Soros, is it being accused by Dershowitz of asking the Obama administration to investigate someone? The question is now an obvious one. This was a two-pager today. Mm. Who was he asking him to investigate? Well, I have my theories on this. Now, Dershowitz says he has an FBI 302, which is a written summary of an interview the FBI did. The 302 is the form number. And in there, he claims to have evidence of this ask by Soros to investigate someone, which, ladies and gentlemen, would be a big deal if true. He hasn't given up the name. Who is it? Who was he asking to investigate? The clues are everywhere. Now, let's go back to a John Solomon article from a little while ago. We're going to go through this. Keep it in mind. The whole narrative here has always been the Trump government's for sale. They're corrupt. They're selling us out. What if the real narrative the whole time was the Obama government was for sale to the highest bidder and was Soros one of those bidders himself? Let's go back to this John Solomon piece for some background on who this person could be and why it may matter who this person Soros was asking Obama to investigate. This Solomon piece will be in the show notes today. Please subscribe to my show notes, bongino.com slash newsletter. Subscribe, it's free. We don't uh, spam your email box. But these articles, some I pull older articles that are relevant again today. This John Solomon piece we've used often is now perfectly tied to today's news. This is evergreen because we're trying to find out who did Soros ask Obama to investigate? Why does it matter? 
Check this piece out. Again, be up in the show notes today. Worth your time. U.S. Embassy pressed Ukraine to drop probe of George Soros group during the 2016 election. This is a John Solomon piece from a while ago. So the embassy was pressured as well, according to Solomon, to drop investigations. So now, Joe, we have two counter arguments here, right? Mm -hmm. Not counter arguments. They're they're both arguments moving in the same direction that the Obama government was for sale. It's not the Trump government. It was the Obama government. Again, the less accusing Trump of that to the little, yeah, look, squirrel. Was there not only a do not prosecute list? In other words, some Soros influence about, hey, don't prosecute those guys. But a prosecute list as well? Now, wouldn't (laughs) that be a fascinating wrinkle? Hey, don't prosecute these guys, but you really may want to look at this guy, what Dershowitz is saying. Who is this guy? Let's break down this John Solomon piece in context of this revelation by Alan Dershowitz. Let's go to takeaway number one. So we go back to April of 2016. And there's this ANTAC group. It says, quote, this is it. This is important, folks. Play close attention. So George Kent, who had testified up in the impeachment hoax hearing and is no fan of Donald Trump, obviously, at this point. George Kent is he is then the uh, the charge in Ukraine. He is our official and allegedly wrote the prosecutor's office in April of 2016. Pay attention to date. He wrote a letter to Ukrainians. And it said this, quote, the investigation into the Anti-Corruption Action Center, this is this ANTAC group, based on the assistance they have received from us, talking about the United States, is similarly misplaced. And it says it's a letter that argued U.S. officials had, should have no concerns about how the U.S. aid had been spent. At the time, the nation's prosecutor general had just been fired under pressure from the United States and a permanent replacement had not been named. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to get to this Giuliani stuff eventually, folks, who have been teasing it all last week and this week, but I found the perfect yeah. time to tie it in. It'll either be today or tomorrow. So Rudy Giuliani has been sounding the alarm forever that Joe Biden, who has this prosecutor looking into his son's company in Ukraine, Burisma, where his son is on the board, Burisma, right? Right. Hunter Biden's on that board. Joe Biden's on tape demanding that prosecutor be fired. He's fired in March of 2016. In April of 2016, after that prosecutor looking into the potential corruption, alleged corruption on this company Joe Biden's kid is working for while Biden's the point man in the region, that guy's fired. And just a month later, our diplomat in the region, one of our high level diplomats, the Charge d'Affaires, George Kent, who appears in the impeachment probe too. What a coincidence, right? No fan of Trump, by the way. Wrote a letter saying, hey, you guys, you guys may not want to look into this ANTAC group. Why does that ANTAC group matter? Who was funding that ANTAC group? George Soros' Open Societies Foundation. So mega liberal donor George Soros' Open Society Foundation is f- funding a group who the Obama diplomats in the region at Ukrainian embassy are writing letters saying, hey, now, we don't want you looking in at this ANTAC group for corruption at all. Keep that in your head. Mm -hmm. Do not prosecute this George Soros-funded group. Don't you do it. The piece goes on. And the piece goes on. Piece goes on (laughs) to part two. 
<laughs> Sorry, <laughs> my voice is horrible. I just That's like all. throwing musical melodies in there once in a while. A good shot, yeah. So, thank you, buddy. So, Litsenko, who was the fired prosecutor, told Solomon he was stunned when the ambassador, Marie Yovanovitch at the time, our ambassador over there in Ukraine, quote, gave him a list of people who we should not prosecute. I thought that was a myth, the do not prosecute list. The list included a founder of the ANTAC group. Oh, this is going to get good. And two members of parliament who vocally supported the group's anti-corruption reform agenda, according to a source directly familiar with the meeting. It turns out the group that the Ukrainian law enforcement was probing was co-founded by the Obama administration and liberal mega-donor George Soros. And it was collaborating with the FBI agents investigating then-Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort's business activities with pro-Russia figures in Ukraine. Folks, if this case got any uglier... Dude. (laughs) Do you... I'm busy working on my second book now I'm on this topic. I've written a lot of books, but my second book on this topic, I don't know what the title of it's going to be, but it is going to be a book about following the money and following the connections. Spygate and the impeachment hoax, ladies and gentlemen, are the same scandal. They are the same players. So what you're telling me in the second quote, to sum that up for you, is that the same Ukrainians working with Democrat operatives in the United States to attack the Trump team through Paul Manafort, who was his campaign manager at the time, are some of the same people who appear on a do not prosecute list being pushed by diplomats in Ukraine that were some of the same people testifying against Trump in the impeachment hoax about the fake quid pro quo? Is that what I'm telling you? Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Now, in case you're thinking this doesn't have its tentacles all the way up to the Obama White House, I'm going to debunk that silliness in a moment. But folks, please, take this check to the bank, cash it and spend it. This is one big, enormous scandal where they are trying to hide through Spygate and otherwise, through the attacking of their political opponents, the fact that the Obama government was for sale And when Trump was elected president, they're terrified this is all going to come out. The piece goes on. This is where it gets even better. Because I want you to remember, the the whole case against Trump starts, this whole Spygate drama and nonsense, it starts with this the surfacing of this black ledger from Ukraine alleging Paul Manafort took these cash payments. A black ledger that has now been debunked. Keep that in your head as we talk about this next uh, portion of the piece. So they're talking about these meetings that are happening with this Soros group. And one attendee at the meetings was Karen Greenaway, the then FBI supervisor in charge uh, and one of the lead agents in the Manafort investigation in Ukraine. Gee, what are the chances of that? Ah. She attended multiple such events and won glowing praise in a social media post from Antac's executive director. Keep this name in mind, too. Coming up. In one event during 2016, Greenway, the FBI agent working on the Manafort case based on the debunked Black Ledger folks from Ukraine, Greenway and Ambassador Yovanovitch participated alongside Antac's executive director, Daria Kalaniuk. 
And the prosecutor, Litsenko, was present. The message was clear. The U.S. Embassy supported ANTAC. Deep breaths. So our embassy overseas is working to make sure this ANTAC group is not prosecuted because they're being investigated for alleged corruption. They are pushing the Ukrainians to back off. We find out that at the same time, Joe Biden is demanding the prosecutor looking into this stuff, who's also looking into the company his son works for, gets fired because Biden publicly pressures the Ukrainians to fire this guy. We find that at the same time, in that same time period, our Ukrainian uh, embassy over in Ukraine is issuing letters and statements demanding that the Ukrainians back off investigations into the people who are looking into the corruption, the same people who are looking into the Biden deal with his kid. That's exactly what I'm telling you. And then we find out that this ANTAC group that's funded by Soros, that the FBI is saying, hey, don't look into them either. That one of the agents in the FBI, who's quite close, apparently, with this ANTAC group and George, Sor- George Soros funded group, Greenway, mm. Karen Greenway. That she was one of the agents working on the Manafort case, the Manafort case based on a fake document, this black ledger alleging cash payments to Manafort that turned out to be a hoax. Oh, by the way, that FBI agent later went on, according to Solomon's article, to work for Soros's group later. Don't worry, folks. There's nothing to see here. So we find out that the ANTAC group, funded by Soros, that the Ukrainians say, hey, the U.S. Embassy was saying, don't look into them. We find out on that as well that their executive director is a woman by the uh, is is a, is a woman by the name of Daria Kalaniuk, and she's praising this FBI agent looking into Manafort. As our embassy is saying, don't prosecute Kalaniuk's group, this ANTAC thing funded by Soros. Let me go to a SarahCarter.com piece, which is really going to cook your uh, cook your bake your bagels here, cook your cro- croissants. <laughs> this will be in the show notes too at SarahCarter.com. <laughs> So Judicial Watch submitted a FOIA request looking for visitor logs at the White House. And the visitor logs reveal the following individuals met with banned by YouTube whistleblower while he was detailed to the Obama White. You remember the fake whistleblower? Of course, it's banned by YouTube. That's right. I know. Sorry, Paula. (laughs) I put Paula on the spot there. (laughs) So So this person met with the fake whistleblower at the White House. Who is it? Who is this person? Daria Kalania, co-founder oh. and executive director of the Soros-funded ANTAC group in Ukraine. She visited on December 9, 2015. Wow, it's really hard to get a White House visit. How did the executive director of a George Soros-funded group get a visit to the White House in a meeting where apparently the fake whistleblower who said there was a quid pro quo that never happened and led to Donald Trump's impeachment might have been present there as well? Okay, so I think we've now established pretty well that was the Obama government for sale to liberal mega donors? I think the do not prosecute list, despite liberal protestations, that it's a conspiracy theory. Remember 60 Minutes? Did you see 60 Minutes? I Hmm. only watch 60 Minutes to see what the next Democrat hoax is going to be. I know it's tough. It really is. It's painful to sit through. 
It but is. I have to sit through at least one liberal show a week to find out what they're talking about. And 60 Minutes usually sets the dialogue for the week. It's a hoax show. They love promoting liberal Democrat propaganda. They're full-time gaslighters. We get that. But what did they choose to cover this week? The Ukrainian conspiracy theory that the Ukrainians were working with the Democrats. It's a conspiracy theory? Is that visitor log to the White House with George Soros' executive director from this group ANTAC? Is that visitor log faked? Was the fake whistleblower not there? Is that a fake too? Did that group not appear in a letter no one's des- denied the existence of from our embassy to George Soros from the group saying, hey, don't prosecute those guys? Did that FBI agent not work on the Manafort case? Did the Manafort case not start with the black ledger that now everyone agrees, every serious person, including one of Mueller's own witnesses in the case, was a hoax document? The FBI agent, who, according to Solomon's report, later went and worked for Soros's funded group? What about that's a conspiracy theory? Was the prosecutor in Ukraine not fired after Joe Biden's on tape calling him be fired? The same prosecutor who's now come in public saying they were looking into George Soros's group and Hunter Biden's company where he worked when he got fired. What part of that is a conspiracy theory? Do you understand how if you're listening to the mainstream media, you are completely lost in this case? Mm-hmm. Completely. Yeah. That's part one of this. Part two is a little shorter. That's setting up how the Obama government was for sale. They clearly knew there were meetings at the White House and the Obama government was sailed to the highest bidder and the highest bidder appears to be these Soros-funded groups at the time who were saying, leave our guys alone over there while we do our thing in Ukraine. But we still haven't answered the question, why? Why was Soros and his groups, why did they want certain people not prosecuted but other people prosecuted and who were those people? All right, I'm going to get to that in a minute because that's going to be part two of this. Because again, the big angle we've talked about is the do not prosecute list. We haven't talked about who we wanted prosecuted and why yet. That's critical. All right, again, I always appreciate your patience. Tuesday's loaded for us. Great sponsor here today, Helix. Thank you for Helix last night. Took a little NyQuil, woke up feeling good. Slept on my Helix sleep mattress, which I love. I have the Midnight Lux. It's absolutely fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, Helix makes the best mattresses for the money out there. Hands down. We have two of them in this house. We love, love, love them. I can't sleep on anything else. The only downside is I go to a hotel and I'm miserable because it's not my Helix sleep mattress. They have a sleep quiz, Helix. Takes two minutes to complete. Matches your body tape to a sleep preference and the mattress perfect for you. You're a side sleeper. You're a hot sleeper. You like a plush or a firm bed. No more guesswork. Helix, they'll take the confusion and guesswork out of it. You don't have to compromise anymore. Helix Sleep, for good reason, is rated the number one mattress by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's the single most comfortable mattress we have ever slept on. We, because we have two of them here, and we love them. Go to Helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash Dan. Helix, sleep.com slash Dan. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. Not even a close second. I took the quiz. I have my Midnight Lux. It is awesome. Love it. Favorite mattress. Love it. Especially after a jitsu class where I'm all banged up. It's medium firm. It's designed for side sleepers like me. I've been sleeping on it for years and it's perfect. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. Don't worry. They'll pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. You will. Great, great mattresses. Unbelievably comfortable. It's like sleeping on a cloud. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders. For your listeners, go to helixsleep.com slash Dan for up to $200 off your mattress order. Helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash Dan, helixsleep.com slash Dan. Okay. So digging into part two of this, we now know that clearly the Obama administration was colluding with a foreign government to get this Soros group a free pass. 
But who were they trying to get prosecuted? Well, let's go back to this Solomon piece and buried in the piece. You're going to see a name. This is who I think Dershowitz may be talking about. And we're always like two, three weeks, if not months ahead of the news cycle. You heard it here first. We'll see. Could be right. Could be wrong. Either way, this is still extremely suspicious. Check this piece out. So this is a a long portion of it, but it's worth it. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but uh, Solomon says, this same memo shows Soros' organization wanted to make Ukraine a top priority starting in 2014 and planned to use ANTAC as its lead. They had this memo they put out, ANTAC, and it says Ukraine, behind the scenes advice and support to Ukrainian partner ANTAC's efforts to generate corruption litigation in Europe and the U.S. respecting state assets stolen by senior Ukrainian leaders, the memo states. The memo included a chart of Ukrainians, the Soros team, sorry, this is, a, this is that, the memo we're talking about in conjunction with the, the, the State Department over there. The memo includes a chart of Ukrainians the Soros team wanted to have pursued, including some with ties to Paul Manafort. This is where this gets fascinating. Senior U.S. law enforcement officials confirmed to Solomon that the early kleptocracy collaborations inside Ukraine led to highly visible U.S. actions against the, uh, the oligarch Dmitry Furtash, mm-hmm. a major target of the Soros group and Manafort. Is it Furtash? Is Dmitry Furtash, the guy Alan Dershowitz is talking about, that Soros was whispering in the ear of Barack Obama to have prosecuted? Ladies and gentlemen, why would this be a hydrogen bomb level explosion? Well, let's just cut to the chase. Because Furtash was a business rival of George Soros. Why does that matter? What do you mean, why does that matter? So George Soros, a liberal mega donor, is buying off the U.S. government, potentially whispering in the ear of Obama if Furtash is the guy to get his business rivals prosecuted? And the fallout was Donald Trump and everyone else who were spied on in the process? What a way to kill two birds with one stone, right? Wow. George Soros is liberal. You can take out conservative Donald Trump and his campaign, and you can also knock off your business uh, rivals at the same time. Now, what other evidence do I have that it may be Furtash that Dershowitz is talking about? Because, folks, we know Soros through a rather circuitous route. Soros' money and his groups have found their way into both the impeachment hoax, as we just talked about. Soros is clearly operating in Ukraine. You've seen that. I showed you that through the whole show, the do not prosecute list, staying away from ANTAC, all that stuff. That was what the Ukraine thing was all about. That's that's what Trump was concerned about, the corruption in Ukraine on the phone call with the Ukrainian president, the very core of the impeachment hoax, what the Democrats don't want you to see. Trump brought it up. It terrified them. So they tried to impeach him over it. They impeached him and he was not removed from office. He was fully acquitted and exonerated. Now it's time to turn the table and look at what Trump was really concerned about. But why Furtash? Why does he matter? Because Soros, as I was just saying, through the circuitous route, has had this way of him and his group supporting the work of Fusion GPS and others. The work of Fusion GPS, paid for by Hillary, was to produce the dossier used to spy on Trump. Some of the information which came from Ukraine. Some of those same lawmakers, Ukrainian lawmakers that appeared on the do not prosecute list. 
Yes. Some of the fake information you used to spy on Trump team came from Ukrainians on the same do not prosecute list. The corruption Trump was concerned about in Ukraine. These people passed information to the United States in a foreign collusion scandal to get the president spied on and apparently to take out his business partners. Solomon's reporting is conclusive that he had his eyes, Soros' group, set on Fertesh. Now, we know through the Open Societies Foundation that Soros' group has been funding the work of people like Dan Jones, a former Democrat staffer who worked on the Senate Intel Committee with Dianne Feinstein, who right. after, after Fusion GPS had produced their fake dossier used to spy on Trump, was still working to authenticate the fake hoax dossier that's been rebuked by everyone who's sane. So if Soros's influence and some of his groups and some of his money through circuitous means found its way to the effort to produce the fake dossier and to still to this day try to make the fake dossier appear real, even though it's a debunked, discredited hoax. Who else had an interest in this guy, Furtash? Let me go back to this Wall Street Journal piece from 2007, 2007, not 2017. I've used this piece often. How lobbyists help ex-Soviets move Washington. Who is the author of this piece? Ladies and gentlemen, Glenn Simpson and his wife, Mary Jacoby. This was written in 2007. This is the guy in Fusion GPS whose company produces the fake dossier to spy on Trump with information from Ukrainians. Ukrainians who appear on a do not prosecute list that our embassy in Ukraine under the Obama administration is telling the Ukrainian government, don't look at them as they're passing information to Simpson, who's pumping it into a dossier to get them to spy on Trump. And apparently in an effort by Soros funded groups to get them to simultaneously attack Trump and attack George Soros's political opponent, Dimitri Fertesh. What do we find buried in this 2007 piece by Glenn Simpson? Shocker, folks. Simpson had an interest in Furtash, too. Was this a journalistic interest? I'm just asking. Whose interest in Furtash is this here? Here, quote from the Wall Street Journal piece. In 2003 and 2005, Mr. Furtash brokered several billion dollar deals between Gazprom and the government of Ukraine. They netted big profits for High Rock and criticism from the U.S. ambassador to the Ukraine at the time for the deal's lack of transparency. I don't know Dmitry Fertesh. He's not my business rival. I don't know if he's a good guy, bad guy, indifferent guy. Don't care. I'm simply asking the question. Is the real scandal here that the Obama government was for sale the entire time? and? That there wasn't just a do not prosecute list to protect the people colluding with the Democrats from Ukraine to spy on Trump, but a simultaneous effort for Soros's money and his influential groups to take down at the same time Soros's business rivals in Ukraine. And were they buying off the Obama government to do it? Ladies and gentlemen, the clues are everywhere. The evidence is all over. You just have to open your eyes. All right. I got a lot more to get to. Um, 
Paula didn't think I was going to get to a lot of this today, um, but uh, we're going to. I want to get to this too because Obama sent a tweet out that was absolutely hilarious yesterday about the economy. It requires a thorough debunking. I'm not going to allow this to stand for one minute sooner. Our last sponsor of the day. Again, I always appreciate your patience. Tuesday's a busy day. Our friends at Parler. Listen, I am tired of these big tech companies and their boots on the neck of conservatives and liberty loving Americans everywhere. It is ridiculous. That's why I'm on Parler. P-A-R-L-E-R. Conservative voices are being silenced daily by left-wing tech companies who profit off exploiting your privacy, and then they silence your voice. When you say something you don't agree with, it's pathetic. I can't stand it. That's how I found Parler. I've been with them long before they were a sponsor, by the way. More and more of our sacred right, the right to speak freely, has come under assault in places that we were designed for us to share our opinions freely. It's not. They're wiping us out. And with no other options, you're forced to play by their rules until now. Ladies and gentlemen, do it today. Go over to Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R. It's the news and free speech app that will not silence your opinion or violate your privacy for financial gain like these other companies out there. Simply download the app, create your account, post, share, and speak freely. Super easy to use. I'm over there. I love it over there. I'm at the Bongino on Parler. Can you say anything you want? Well, no, you can't threaten violence, obviously. Commit actual acts of hate. We don't want that. Harass or commit other crimes. But that's not who you are. And that's not who we are. We support free speech. Go to parlor.com or visit the app store to download Parlor today. I'm on Parlor. Follow me. I'm at D Bongino. I love it. That's Parlor, P A R L E R.com, or find this in the app store, parlor.com. Get news. Speak freely. No more tech tyranny. Fight back. All right. Glad to have Parlor on board. So, Barack Obama does not want to exit stage left. He just refuses to give President Trump credit for anything. The Trump economy, which is making him look silly after one of the worst recoveries from a recession in uh, post-World War II history. Obama decided to make a comeback on Twitter yesterday about the economy because he's embarrassed and humiliated that the Trump economy is doing well. um, And he had eight years and floundered. So Obama tweeted this little gem yesterday. He says, quote, at Barack Obama, 11 years ago today, near the bottom of the worst recession in generations, I signed the Recovery Act, paving the way for more than a decade of economic growth and the longest streak of job creation in American history. This is hilarious. Obama (laughs) trying to take credit for the Trump economy. Ladies and gentlemen, I know, try to contain your laughter. Barack Obama spent eight years blaming George W. Bush for his economy. It was the worst recovery from her. So don't worry, I got charts and data because that's yes, what sir. I do. I'm not just going to give you my opinion, unlike Barack Obama and these left-wing lunatics who never base anything on facts and data. He spent eight years, Obama, eight years, or an Obama may have eight years, eight years blaming Bush for his dreadful economy. <laughs> Trump gets into office, turns it around. Now he's taking credit. So Barack Obama on the Obama economy. Bush did it. Barack Obama on the Trump economy. Obama did it. That's hilarious. <laughs> that, is this guy kidding me? I mean, on what planet is this guy? Is this bizarro Superman land? So our handy dandy fact checker, Matt Palumbo, who uh, operates BonginoReport.com and writes for us at Bongino.com, the two separate websites, of course. Bongino Report is our alternative to the left-wing drudge report, which has been blowing up, by the way. BonginoReport.com. Thank you for all your support. Matt did an updated piece because Obama says, listen, I signed the stimulus and I saved the economy, folks. Well, you would think there would be some data on that. Well, thankfully, Joe, there is. Ah! Oh, there's a whole lot of data. A lot of data out there. So Matt has this piece up. We'll put in the show notes today. Again, Bongino.com slash newsletter. Please read this. This is a must read. He put it out in 2018, but we're going to update it for today. 
Did Obama's stimulus work? Fair question, right? Obama's tweeting out that not only did it work, it saved the economy. Fair enough. Well, ladies and gentlemen, do you think, let me just, uh, let me give you an analogy quick before I start. If you're a coach coming into an NFL season and a reporter asks you in the, in the preseason games, right? Nice. Coach Bongino, what do you think a successful season would be? The team was, you know, two and 14 last year. You had a rough year. And you come out and you say, you know what? I think if we can get to nine and seven, it would be a success. Eight and eight would be a success too, but I think that would be a good quality season. All right. That's your own barometer for success. You, the coach. <laughs> yes. If you then finish three and 13, I would say your season was a failure based on your words, not mine. <laughs> you said eight and eight. Nine and seven, you're three and 13. Now, in economics, it works the same way. If you're going to foster some big program, we need the stimulus because it's going to do this. Give us stimulus and then this will happen. If X, then Y. If the stimulus happens, Y will happen. And then Y doesn't happen, then your stimulus did not work by your own predictions. Let's go to chart number one from Matt's piece. Did the Obama stimulus work? To show you, the Obama stimulus was crap. Folks, this can't get any simpler to understand. Matt has a simple chart up here. Democrats' own projections of the unemployment rate with the stimulus versus the actual unemployment rate. <laughs> now, for liberals who have a tough time with this, red is the actual unemployment rate. And blue is the Democrat projection with the stimulus. So again, the Democrats predicted that if you pass this stimulus, unemployment, Joe, will not yeah. go above 8%. It won't get worse with the stimulus. You got it? Yep. This is, I know this is tough to understand for liberals. Obama and his team, give us the stimulus. And the employment rate will not go above 8%. We will save the economy. Yeah. Well, the employment rate peaked out at 10 if you want to see the chart, read the piece. You go to youtube.com slash Bongino. You can see it on the screen. The actual unemployment rate was above the Democrat projections for years. A miserable failure. For years. I, <laughs> thank you. Is this hard? This is their, not mine. They're, they're not Dan Bongino's predictions. The Democrats said to us, give us the Obama stimulus and we will contain unemployment. It won't go above eight. It stayed above that number for years. We have the data. Did you miss this? How can you claim your stimulus was a success when what you claimed your stimulus would do, it didn't do? I'm just asking a question. Is this hard to understand? I don't have any personal animus towards these people. I just want to live in a universe where facts matter. We have the unemployment data. You were wrong. Big time. Big time. I heard that. <laughs> My mother-in-law says that. <laughs> Big time. She says it all the time. Big time, Danny. Even worse. You may say, okay, unemployment was far above what the Democrats predicted after they wasted a bunch of our money on the stimulus. Far above. We see the chart. Yeah. Oh, it gets worse, Joe. The real unemployment number was actually worse than the measured unemployment. There are multiple forms of unemployment, U3, U6, other stuff. Unemployment numbers we use in those statistics only measure people actively looking for a job. 
Mm-hmm. What if I told you that the real unemployment number after the Obama stimulus that he's now hilariously came in claiming credit for in this tweet was so successful, Trump should kiss my butt. It was so good. Look at me, Captain Economy. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> the real unemployment number, when you measure people who even who stopped looking for a job because they got so desperate they couldn't even find it, they said, forget it, I'm not even looking anymore. The real unemployment number was even worse than that. Look at this chart. Again, we have the numbers. The numbers even matter. From Matt's piece, folks, quote, since Obama taking, uh, since Obama taking office to his departure, the number of Americans employed rose by 9.9 million compared to 14.6 million who left the labor force. In other words, nearly 50% more people left the labor force than becoming employed. <laughs> The labor force participation rate of those aged 65 and older, too, actually increased during the Obama years, meaning the shrinkage in the labor force under his watch cannot be attributed to people leaving the labor force by retiring. That's an important point I want to get to. Important. Shrinkage. Shrinkage. Remember Seinfeld? I was, I was in, the, in pool. the pool. I was in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Shrink it. Labor force shrunk. Why? The Obama economy was so bad, people gave up looking for work. Now. Liberals who love to lie, they love to lie. They have no grounding in facts or data, have told us through their media bootlicking, sycophantic, butt-kissing fools, Joe, the labor force shrunk not because people couldn't find jobs, but because older people left the workforce. That is wrong. <laughs> that is wrong. The people age 65 and older in the workforce, their numbers in the workforce went up, not down. That's a lie. People left the workforce in mass under the Obama administration because the economy stunk and there were no jobs for them. When you measure them in the unemployment rate and you don't kick them out because they stopped looking, the unemployment rate was even worse than the stimulus said it would be. Finally, from Matt's piece, and I got another Washington Examiner piece just to double down on this. And I'm going to bring up that older people leaving the workforce silly argument again, too, because it's just not true. But Obama's saying, well, we had, you know, eight years of job growth. Folks, we've always had job growth after recessions. Yeah. Remember, you ever see that, that Chris Rock uh, comedy show, uh, the routine he did? Chris Rock had some epic ones. Where it was, I think it was Chris Rock. He says, you know, he's talking about fathers who do a terrible job who come out and brag about things they should do anyway. Go, I take care of my kids. You're supposed to take care of your kids. You don't take a celebratory lap. Every, every economy in U.S. history under every president has recovered from a recession. You suggesting that we grew a little bit after the recession is not a victory lap. Everyone has recovered from a recession. Everyone. The real measure of success it's not if you take care of your kids, but how you do it. And the real measure of success is not if you recover from a recession, but how. Do we have the data on that? Of course we do. And that's what I'm here for. Check out this. This is from, this is from Matt's piece, but he quotes Forbes magazine. Forbes, not some bastion of right-leaning uh, conservatism, okay? Forbes magazine. Quote, the Obama recovery of the last seven years remains the worst, the worst, the worst, one, two more times, the worst 
the worst in post-war American history. This is Forbes, not Dan Bongino. Average GDP growth, how we measure recovery, folks, since the bottom of the recession in 2019 was barely above 2.1% per year. The average since 1949 is well above 4% per year during the previous 10 expansions. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. I like that. Folks, the numbers matter to you? I'm not, I, I, again, I'm not talking to my audience. You all have the, you're, you're probably laughing because you're, I'm just trying to give you ammo yeah, for are. your liberal <laughs> friends. And <laughs> yes. why? They are. They are just like because they know yeah. this. They're but you may say, yeah. why? 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 Why relitigate this? I'm not relitigating this. Obama is. I'm not relitigating this at all. The Democrats have now run with this talking point that Obama saved the world with a stimulus that failed miserably under its own expectations, its own predictions. It failed. It's even worse when you factor in people leaving the workforce. Even worse when you factor in that older people stayed in the workforce and didn't leave trying to get jobs that weren't even there. And even worse when you factor in that the recovery from the recession under Obama was the worst in post-World War II history. The worst. Now, the Washington Examiner had a great piece up on this, too, on this exact same topic. The hilarity of Obama claiming credit for the Trump economy by Tom Rogan. It does good work. This is in the show notes from a few days ago. Again, if you Bongino.com slash newsletter, subscribe to my newsletter. I'll email these articles right to you. This was a good one. Pretty clear headline. Tom Rogan, Washington Examiner. No, Obama doesn't deserve credit for Trump's economy. And listen, Rogan's no Trump acolyte, okay? He's not. He's not a hater. He's just a pretty benign guy who writes the facts. He doesn't like kiss butts or anything like that. Sometimes he's on uh, the Trump team and sometimes he's not, depending on what the facts of the day dictate. Rogan's piece is really good and addresses some of the things I just talked about. Takeaway number one. He says, first off, as any serious economist will point out, it's far harder to create jobs in an economy with reducing slack. That is to say, in an economy, uh, that is to say, an economy in which means of human and capital production are more fully engaged, it's one thing to create jobs right after a recession. But it's a far different thing to keep creating jobs when the economy is doing well. But that's exactly what Trump is doing. The employment rate is at lows not seen for 50 years and minorities are benefiting greatly. Wages continue to rise and those seeking work continue to find it. Productivity is also growing at the fastest pace in nine years. Let me translate that for you, folks. Obama is disingenuously claiming credit for his eight years of growth. Growth that was half of what the historical average is. In other words, he had the worst recovery from a recession during the Obama years in modern American history. But at the end of the Obama years, there's less and less slack in the economy. Meaning what? Meaning some of those workers who were without jobs are now being employed even under Obama's subpar growth rates. Because the American people will, will recover no matter what, even with Obama in office. It gets harder and harder to create jobs as your potential employment pool shrinks. Ladies and gentlemen, it's obvious. If I'm looking for sound engineers because Joe needs a six-month break to go on a sabbatical to Tibet or something like that, and I'm looking at these people five or six years ago when unemployment was still high, it's probably pretty easy to find one. Why? 
Yeah. Because there's a lot of people looking for jobs. Right now, that'd be pretty hard. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have jobs. They're not eager to leave their job for this job. You have to offer, offer incentives. It's harder for me to create and fill a job while the employment pool I'm looking at shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. This is obvious. Right. Trump's task has been infinitely harder than Obama's, and he's still doing better. Takeaway number two. These liberal economists and otherwise, and other people around there, predicted growth rates lower than what we have now. So if Obama's economy was going to be so great, it was going to last into the future, why did they predict otherwise? Quote, Tom Rogan's piece. An October 2016 Fed Reserve Bank of San Francisco report predicted that, quote, once the economy recovers fully from the Great Recession, GDP growth is likely to be well below historical norms, plausibly in the range of 1.5 to 1.75 per year. The preferred point estimate in Fernald, who examines these issues in even more detail, is for 1.6% GDP growth. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a whole percentage point lower than the economy's actual growth under Trump. Can I translate this quickly for you? Yeah. Even economists who were probably aligned with Barack Obama's values said, Obama's economy is only going to lead in the future when he leaves office, once we've recovered, to 1.5% growth. Their own predictions were for lower growth. Trump's economy has grown a full point faster than that, even despite the, the slack disappearing out of the economy. All of their predictions have been wrong. All of them. Nobody predicted that the horrible Obama recovery was going to lead to the growth rates Trump has produced. Nobody. And yet he did it anyway. Finally, and this important point, I want you to thoroughly eviscerate if your liberal friends and their media allies bring this up again. The shrinking unemployment number and the number of people leaving the workforce in the Obama years because they were frustrated were not older people. Final takeaway from Rogan's piece. He says there's another factor to consider here. Namely, that whatever we think about Trump, the statistics strongly indicate that Obama's economic stewardship was a failure, as was noted by CNN and others back in 2016. Obama's economic recovery following the 2009 recession was the slowest on record. CNN's report suggested this was partly due to the retirement of baby boomers. Here we go again with that debunked talking point. But if that's true, why is the economy kept adding jobs under Trump? After all, we still have a lot of baby boomers retiring. So not only the numbers that baby boomers were leaving the workforce, not only is that a lie, their numbers were actually increasing under the Obama years. People were leaving the labor force because they were frustrated with Obama. But Joe... Did time stop? I'm sorry. I'm, I, listen, I know this is a tough question, so put your referee hat on. All right. Did time magically stop when Barack Obama left office? Was there some kind of like oh. uh, back to the future Marty McFly like time machine? No. It didn't, correct? Time is no. still going. It is now no. 2020, right? No I'm, black holes. Okay, I'm not crazy. We're cool. No. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. It's went out into like string theory or multiple universe stuff. Yeah. So baby boomers, if I'm correct, Joe- and chronology and time has continued on. The baby boomers now 
would be actually older in the Trump years than the Obama years. So they'd be probably more likely to leave the workforce and the labor force participation would go down even more as they left the workforce. Mm. That's not crazy, right? I'm just no, saying the, they are older. The logic follows. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very Th- good. Thank you. Thank you. Of course yes. it does. You're a smart guy because you actually work for a living. So if that's the case, that it was all due to baby boomers in the Obama years, then why aren't the older baby boomers dragging down the labor force participation right now, which is going up as more people enter the workforce? The answer is because it's all a lie. That's not what's happening. And it's just an effort to cover for Obama by propagating more and more BS. Ridiculous. All right. I know the Giuliani stuff. I'm still going to get to it one of these days. It's important because <laughs> yeah. it ties into all this stuff, but it requires some detailed explanation. I got that. I also got some cuts from Bernie tomorrow, more stuff. And I want to announce our interview this week. Mm-hmm. This is exciting. You ready? You're going to be stoked about this. This is going to be a different kind of interview. You know what? I have it right here. Here it is, folks. The big reveal. Jocko Willink. Author, let me show this again, of Leadership, Strategy, and Tactics. If you do not know who Jocko Willink is, I feel bad for you. He's one of the top podcasters, New York Times bestselling author, Navy SEAL, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. And I'm telling you, under no uncertainty or no blanket of, of, of any kind of probability equation either way, This guy is one of the toughest dudes you will ever meet or talk to in your life. A real leader and a good guy. We're going to record it on Thursday. Come out Saturday morning, we hope. we got to do some post-production on it. Jocko Willink. It's going to be awesome. Don't miss this one. We'll ask him about his book, leadership, what it was like to be a SEAL. This guy, I am incredibly excited about this interview. Jocko Willink coming up this week. One of the seriously toughest guys you'll ever meet. If you just Google, for those of you who want to do some prep work on this, Google Jocko Willink grappling. You know, I love Brazilian jiu-jitsu. This guy's a mm-hmm. monster on the mats. Monster on the mats. He would wreck me in a heartbeat, this guy. Maybe we should grapple. That would be, that would be awesome. All right, youtube.com yeah, cool. slash Bongino if you want to see the video. That would be, right? That would yeah. be a great show. <laughs> we can put a little five, 10 minutes. Paul's like, no way. You'll, you'll leave that in crutches with Jocko. <laughs> He's a mauler. <laughs> All right. Thanks again for tuning in, folks. Again, subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bongino. We really appreciate it. I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.